Hey, what's up? This is Michael Schofield, and you are listening to Metric. It's been a while. Yep. Yo, this episode of Metric is going to be super short, as they all have been for the last umpteenth episodes or so, but um, this one's going to be particularly random. I just wanted to share a few totally unrelated pieces of thinking that caught my eye. <clears throat> this will be a shorty, but I think you'll find it interesting. I'm taken with this concept of ex-novation, which is this counterbalance of innovation. To constantly make something new, you have to dismantle the old. To organize your team around iterating and innovating, you need to systematize the dismantling. This is from a post on Medium by the Politics for Tomorrow, who, in the same spirit of championing failure with slogans like fail cheaply or move fast and break things, um, demonstrate this nece- uh, the necessity of embracing the phasing out of stuff by showing it as part of a larger system of innovation. Uh, quote, they discovered that stabilizing, they being um, the uh, folks involved in the country of Germany's plan to phase out old um, energy technology so that they can make room for the new. So, quote again, they discovered that stabilizing the new is not enough to achieve systemic change. In order to embed innovation in an existing regime or a status quo, non-sustainable technologies and the related systems, infrastructures, and livelihoods around these technologies had to be phased out in a deliberate and socially responsible way. Super cool, huh? Two, subject matter expertise in product design is totally overvalued. In his advice in hiring a head of product, Rich Mironov uh, describes some of the biases subject matter experts have in design decision-making, usually having to do with lack of respect for the need for constant discovery. Like, um, I know about advertising, so I know better than dot dot dot, etc., This should probably resonate with some of you who value the process and rituals of user experience design, where good design is the ritual of disciplined practice. This then emphasizes the value of solid practitioners and de-emphasizes the value of experts. Three, perhaps the best way to sum up my gripes with personas is that personas are easier to get wrong than right. And wrong personas are more likely to inspire resistance rather than empathy. This insight originated with a post from uh, Kristen Roman. In their conclusion, they suggest alternatives, but honestly, in my conclusion, the value of any kind of user archetype is a red herring. Don't do it. Four. The near future of remote work is going to be very, very messy. It starts with the illusion that a remote worker moving somewhere with a cheaper cost of living will get to keep their salary, and then it's going to be encumbered by a struggle for privacy. I mostly just wanted to share this snippet from an article by The Economist. Uh, I share the link um, in the transcript, but it's behind a paywall. But quote, um, already the gig economy has shown that it is out of date. 
Now new prickly questions about workers' rights and responsibilities loom. Can firms monitor remote workers to assess their productivity? Who is liable if employees injure themselves at home? Any sense that white-collar workers are getting perks will create simmering, simmering resentment in the rest of the workforce. End quote. And so on. This is going to get weird. Five, lastly, like I said, it's going to be short and random. Uh, so what underlies patterns in user behavior? Structure. Specific touch points in an existing process. Organizational pressures, policies and rules of thumb, or even rituals. I don't know how to best credit this post without an author, but the folks at um, Eco Challenge added levels of thinking to that familiar iceberg model. You've seen it. The whole thing that is supposed to communicate that, gosh, um, 90% of the problem is actually still under the water and out of sight. This is interesting to me because I suppose I never really said aloud what this makes obvious. Patterns are supported by the things we, or our predecessors, made. That means we can improve or unmake them. And this is a powerful observation. And that's it. That's all that metric is. If you're new here, that's what you get. Um, consider liking this episode of Metric if it made you think. Um, and please take the time if you haven't already to subscribe for free. The full transcript um, is available at metric.substack.com. Um, or, you know, just stay tuned. Uh, metric is kind of like I said, a write-up too is the name of my blog. It's just everything I do that has to do with... I guess kind of like hardcore design thinking uh, find it google it subscribe on all the different things it doesn't matter um, what you are <laughs> I mean it matters it matters to me that you subscribe but it doesn't matter what um, medium you prefer I just try to kind of throw this stuff out there like this also I'm going to plug something but it's been a while um, but I am thinking about returning to it but if not even like the backlog I think is valuable um, I write or have written about design and philosophy in another uh, newsletter slash podcast called uh, Stoic Designer. Um, the last one was letter 76, Shirking Routine. Um, give it a read. Uh, I find that um, Stoic Design as a concept is particular, particularly um, helpful in what is already like a highly neurotic workforce and industry of design and development which is now compounded by the um the what the fuckery of covid right so anyway um uh, thank you to all of you who are actually still subscribed to this it's been months since i've um, published anything here um and i appreciate what uh audience i have who are willing to hang around um thank you so much guys um i hope you have a good one stay safe Wear a mask. Uh, if you're in the United States, vote. Bye.